0: Including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co host Kim and special guest Jenna Labe.
1: You can register at slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's slash challenge. Now on to the show.
0: Hey, fellow mathematicians, welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam Harris and I'm Kim Montague. And you found a place where math is not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. We can mentor students to think and reason like mathematicians do. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually keeps students from
1: being the mathematicians they can be. So we have some long-time listeners, but I want to have a special welcome to the parents who are tuning in this week. Welcome. Last week, yeah. Uh, That's really special, right? We appreciate it. Yeah, for your students. So welcome, welcome to the parents. Um, Last week, we started talking about some parent tips and some little activities and routines that you can do with your student in teeny tiny bits of time that we know make a huge impact. And so... Uh, if you didn't tune in to the last episode, episode 170, we'd encourage you to check that one out as well. Um, and, and so if you listened to that episode and you thought, man, they talk fast and they said a lot, we would highly encourage you to check out that free download that we shared last week. And we'll mention it again today, uh, you can find that at com slash parent tips, one word, parent tips. Today, we're going to share some more tips and um, activities that you can do to help build mathematicians in your home.
0: We love active parents, parents who care about their kids, parents who who dive in and really um, want the best for their students. And we honor the fact that you are here. So okay. let's get right at some um, tips that we have to work with your students. So a couple of general tips to start with. Kim, yeah. let's talk about one of the most uh, interesting things you and I find is that when we are interacting with, with kids, maybe at church or on the ball field or in, in a store, uh, not, not our own. And we ask them a question. We often find that parents dive in super fast. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's almost like they're like, they'll say things like, you know, that, you know, that one, yep. you know, yep. like yep. Yeah, we, we, we we've learned that we've practiced that. Mm-hmm. And then I want to just like, say, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Let them right. think. Like, let them think. It's not about retrieving from rote memory. It's not about, can I find that in my memory banks? It's really more, how are you thinking about that? So if a kid has to think about it a little bit, I'm okay with that. I'm going to wait a little bit longer. So parents, our first tip for the day, wait a little bit longer for responses to math
1: questions. Maybe to any questions, but for sure math questions.
0: Give them a chance to
1: think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it tells them that you value their thinking, right? You're not going to interrupt their thinking. Um, And so I'll say, Pam, that when we are waiting, um, we're not not talking into that space either, right? We're not trying to direct Mm -hmm. it. We're not trying to give them too many hints or clues. We are big fans of, do you need time or help? It's a huge Mm -hmm. question. And a lot of times, most kids just need a little bit more time and when we rush in uh, we're not giving them the actual help that they need. So the next one that I want to mention oh, oh, before
0: you go on, can I also suggest that uh, if I were looking at Kim's face right now while she was working with a kid giving that kid that time, mm-hmm. she would have a look on her face of intense interest. Mhm. What it wouldn't be would be come on, come on, you can do it. Like mm-hmm. like kind of this wavy thing, like I'm impatient, like mm-hmm. like like, It's about speed, it's about snapping, it's like fast. It wouldn't be, um, a um, but ha, ha, how else do I describe it? So, I'm patient, it, yeah, it's very patient, it's very interested. It's very like, um, sometimes we'll kind of crinkle our brow and we'll kind of look kind of like, like, uh, this is why hard. I know
1: this, yeah,
0: yeah, like we give them the like this, you're thinking, good, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like we're mm-hmm. all thinking here We're it's kind of the thinking face. It's not the expectation face. It's also not, um, uh, yeah, just the impatient face. It's kind of just like, yeah, Hey, let's think about this. Kind of let's put some, put some weight on the fact that we're thinking. So we're waiting yeah. and we're, we're putting weight. We're, we're, we're allowing there to be a little time. Y'all we're not, we're not suggesting that we want your kids to be slow. We're suggesting that it's okay for them to think there's a difference. Right. Yeah. right.
1: Cool. Um, Along with that, while you're waiting, we want to resist the urge to tell the right answer. Um, And if you grew up in a world where the answer was everything, which I think a lot of us did, Mm -hmm. um, then you might feel the urge to supply the answer, assume that means they now own it and move on, which is not what we believe.
0: We'll see a lot of parents, you know, I'll say something like, hey, do you know 34 plus 10? And the kid will kind of, you know, wait a little bit and the parent will go 44. All right. Now, you know, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, (laughs) just because the kid heard 44 doesn't mean that the kid now owns like I'm from, if I'm messing with 34, I don't know if that's the best problem, Kim, but if I'm, if I'm asking 34 plus 10, or maybe a better example is if I said 34 plus 10 and the student said 44, ha ha, I know that. And then I said, well, what's 34 plus Mm nine. And the kid waits a little bit and the parent goes, "Uh, what's 43. You know, like just one less. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, now, the, now the kid, yeah. Or just one less. Now the kid owns it. Right. Uh, or, or, yeah. in that moment, we don't want to steal the chance for the kid to grapple with that relationship. Right. We don't want to take away the opportunity for the kid to consider. Can I use plus 10 to help me with plus nine? Huh? What would that, let me, let me grind that. Let me, let me create that path in my head that then the next time it comes up, I had that, that one-time path and boy, if I travel that again, it'll be a stronger path. And boy, then if I travel that again, it'll be an even stronger neural path that then when I hit things like that, I have these paths that I've, uh, I've created. If you just pop in an answer, I don't get a chance to create that neural pathway.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we want. Dense. That's what we want. Right? Yeah. Rich, we want dense, richness about
0: rich, rich brains, dense brains, lots of right. neural pathways and brains.
1: Yeah. Um, last week, we um, alluded to this a little bit, but when you're working with your student on any of these routines uh, or game-like situations, um, important questions to ask would be, what do you know? When they say, I don't know, you can say, what do you know? And relate to something that you know that they know. You could say, how do you know? Or how did you do that? And, and then intensely listen with curiosity. Um, you could ask, does that always work? Having kids verbalize their thinking can be super powerful to cementing that thinking in their own brain. And it's super fun to share about ways that we're learning and sharing strategies because then you're open to uh, additional ways of thinking about it.
0: Yeah. Super cool. Kim, do we have time for me to give a quick example? Sure. So when you said, what do you know? I think this often comes um, with parents. I'll say it often with uh, facts do we want kids to know their facts? Absolutely. We want them at their fingertips. We want them to have facility with those facts. Um, but how they get them is not really through rote memorization. So I might ask a student or you might ask your student something like eight times seven. That's an often missed fact. If a kid's going to miss a fact, they might miss eight times seven. And when you ask a kid, you're like, okay, come on. So first we're going to pause, right? We're going to give them some time, wait a little bit longer. We're going to resist the urge to tell the right answer. And when a kid says, I don't know, then we might say, well, what do you know? Do you know some eights? Do you know some sevens? We're trying to find eight times seven. Do you know some sevens? Do you know some eights? What do you know? And then if a kid says, well, I know five eights, then we might say, well, how do you know that? Well, I know my fives or I know 10 times eight so I can find five times eight. Um, so asking, or or if a student says, uh, let's see, 48, 56, then we might go, oh, like, what did you, what were you just doing? How, how do you know that? How do you, what, what were you thinking about for the 48? Oh, well, I was thinking about eight times six. So I just need one more seven to get, uh, wait, I need one more eight. I don't usually use that one. So if I know six eights is 48, then I can do seven eights would be one more eight. Um, we want kids to, to have to verb like I just did. I had to think about my own thinking there. We want kids to verbalize things like that um, when they are using relations like that, relationships like that. And then that last question, does it always work? When a student says, we had to add one more group. You could say, can you always do that? Like if you're, if you're looking for eight nines and you know seven nines, can you just add one more nine? Or if you're looking for 11 twelves and you know 10 twelves, can you just add one more 12? Does that always work that you just add one more group when you're only one group less? That kind of generalizing is hugely important for students to kind of cement relationships. And
1: it works towards algebraic reasoning, which they're going to do later in higher grades. So another suggestion that we would make is to play games with your students. So we, we are, Pam and I are both a big board game loving mm-hmm. kind of people. Um, and there's some fantastic games out there that uh, we highly recommend to build all kinds of things with students. But we're also going to dive in now to a couple of other routines that we would love. Pam, you want to say anything about games?
0: I'll just say it doesn't have to be a math game. It could be any game, right. um, but um, there's something about board games something about uh, kids card games games. in those games. If there's a mathy thing that happens, say it out loud. Here's a, Mm -hmm. here's a, a real simple one. You're playing one of those. You just move your piece along the board. And you notice there's a pattern on the board, um, like Monopoly. And so, you know, like you're, you're supposed to go so many spaces and you just know how many they are. And so you skip ahead to it because you're like, well, you know, if I go to the, I can't think now, the uh, railroad, then it's just going to be one past that. Or I know that if I've got, you know, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to be 10 and I'm going to 11, it's just going to be one over the edge because I was right here. Uh, when you think about those moves in the game, think about it out loud. Just just say out loud how you're how you're thinking about that little mathy thing in the middle of the game could be um, a way to start the conversation about what's happening in your, your brain. You might say, Pam, everybody knows that's what's happening in my brain. Oh, actually, you might be surprised. I didn't as a kid. I would watch people do that as a kid. And I would be like, I don't even know what they're doing. Oh, well. And then I would just because it wasn't talk aboutable with whoever I was playing, and so I, I, I didn't ask, but oh, I wish people would have said more of that out loud, so I could have started making those relationships more. Yeah.
1: OK, so one thing we would recommend parents do with their students from a very early age is count forward and back from numbers other than one, right? So really young kids can sing song, one, two, three, four, five, uh, pretty early on. But the idea that you start with 16 or 24 and count on is a huge skill. But then also even more difficult than that is counting backwards from numbers.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Like choose random numbers Mm -hmm.
0: and say, hey, today we're going to count on from 13, go, 13, 14, and just start counting forward. Um, But then say, today we're going to count backwards. Start start from the nice 10 and count backwards um, and start from the nice 20 and count backwards. But someday say, we're going to start counting backwards from
1: 13, go, bam. What, I if mean, this is older- to be by ones, right? Ah, counting yes. Keep going. Yep. By tens, uh, 23, 43, 53, 63. Talking about the the place value in that, what's actually happening when you count forwards by tens? What happens to the tens place? What happens to the ones place? Once you've gotten some experience with uh, counting forwards and backwards by tens or by hundreds from, from strange numbers, what happens when you count forwards by nine? what does that do to the tens place and the one place? So you're talking about the the value of numbers um, as they're doing this small routine. Yeah.
0: Super, super helpful um, for younger kids. You can also count by twos, but don't just count by twos starting from zero. Right. Start, start with three and count by twos. start with 11 and count by twos. Uh, you can start with 16 and count by twos and then start with 26 and count by twos backwards. So yeah, lots of, things That you can do, uh, Kim. I used to do that going up and down stairs, so yeah. somehow for me, that was like a ping with my kids. That as we climb stairs, I'd be like, Okay, say we're on 15, ready, we're gonna count by fives, 15, 20, and then on the way down, I was like, Okay, now we're on, I don't even know, 73, and we're gonna count back by fives. Oh, that was a slower, yeah, it was a, that was a yeah. slower. Um, okay, maybe I didn't actually do that one. Usually, stairs we did easier, but you could, yeah, easier, but you could, you could. Oh, if yeah. I would have done it more,
1: we could have done it even, even more, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. What about guess my number? Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So guess my number in my family is where I think of a number and my kids can ask me yes yes or no questions about that number. And so I might be thinking of the number 68. Um, I generally start with numbers under a hundred for quite some time. So I think about the number 68 and they might say to me, is your number odd? Yes or no? Okay, well, if I know it's odd, yes or no, then I don't have to ask if it's even, but sometimes they do early on. (laughs) Uh, Is it less than 100? Does it have a six in the ones place? Is it a prime or composite number? Is it a multiple of a certain number? And So they're gathering information about the number based on the questions they're asking Mm -hmm. um, until they determine what the number is.
0: Yeah, super cool. A slightly simplified version of that um, that I like to play first with kids is I might say, I'm thinking of a number, and then they would just guess. So I'll say, I'm thinking of a number between zero and 100, and they they guess, uh, and they, it's funny how random they guess, 33. And I'll say, my number's higher than 33. And I want to play this game often enough to where kids finally start to go 50 is their first guess. Mm-hmm. Like cut it in halves, because now if they guess 50, they've cut out half the numbers and they can, you know it's for sure in that other half. So uh, don't tell them that though, play with them often enough that s- along the line, somebody goes, well, I think 50 is a good guess.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: then I'll say my number is higher than 50. And then they'll, uh, I hope they'll come back and say 75. And then I'll say my number is lower than 75. And then I hope they'll come back and try to go in between 50 and 75. Now that takes a while for them to, to um, kind of get that. But boy, when they do, they own that idea that if I can sort of cut the the, what's left, the span and half, then I only have, I've cut out half the numbers. I, I can guess between the numbers that are left. So that's a, a little bit of a simplified version, maybe for younger kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can make those numbers much bigger. I, I can have the range zero to 1000 and guess my number in between
1: there. Go ahead, Kim. Yeah. Well, I was going to say both versions of that are very much about um, the richness of the number and, and it's approximation and about it's uh, what its it plays between it, yeah. its, its place. Neighborhood. Yeah, so f- Yeah, speaking of uh, its place, Mm. we also are really big fans of talking about the value of number rather than its digits, Mm -hmm. right? So um, kids might be really used to in early years saying the number uh, 391 is about, we'd love for them to know it's 391. But also talking about what it means in terms of other views, so it could also be if I said the number three hundred ninety one um it's it is three hundred and ninety and one but it's also two hundred and a hundred ninety one mm, it's nice. also thirty nine tens and one
0: and it's also nine away from four hundred it's four hundred yeah. minus nine absolutely right. and And let me just really point out that every time Kim just said the number 391, she never said 391. Right. So often we say numbers as digits and we don't talk about the values that are happening. So if if you're saying the number 1,236, it's okay to say 1,236. It's okay to say 1,236, but try not to say 1,236. Yeah. Like just, just calling it digits, and then like Kim said, all the different kind of ways that you could talk about that number um, flexibly, like what, what, what—that helps kids think about what it's near. It helps kids place that number and think about magnitudes, the size of numbers. Yeah, it's totally cool. Nice. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Another one I was going to mention. We're going a little higher math here. Is that when you're talking about fractions? So if you're talking about a fraction like four fifths. The name that we give four-fifths in English is four-fifths, but it also means four-one-fifths. Like it, it the, the the fraction four-fifths, if you only learn fractions in a part-whole relationship the way we typically have taught, when I say four-fifths, you might be thinking, oh, that's four line five. And you might only be thinking about four out of five. And right. to do that, you're only thinking about four, you're thinking about five, and maybe you're shading some pizza pieces or something. But we want kids to think about four-fifths as four one-fifths. Right. But if I can think of something cut into five equal shares and I call that a fifth, then four one-fifths, four-fifths is four of those one-fifths, right? So similarly, if I had, I'm trying to think of another fraction, two-sevenths, then I want to think of that as two one-sevenths. Or Which if I have meaning
1: a seventh and a seventh, right? It's it's exactly. I've got
0: a seventh there and a seventh there, and so I've got two of those one sevenths, Then I can call those two sevenths. And similarly, if I had three eighths, then I could say I've cut cut something into equal into eight equal shares. I've got eight equal pieces, and I have three of those one eighths. Three one eighths is the same thing as three eighths. Uh, you might be um, surprised how much clarity that can bring to some fractions. When you call those mixed numbers, those a phrase, when you call those fractions by what we call the unit fraction, by the one, uh, the one piece, how many of that one piece you have.
1: And cool. a small tweak to that is that mm. we would, you would hear both of us say four fifths about as much as we would say four one fifths. So when we're mm. describing yeah. the fraction four fifths, we also will say, Oh, you have four one fifths.
0: Yeah. So it's not like we give up one name for the other because they're going right. to hear four fifths in common usage and everything. And four fifths is right. fine. We just need the meaning of four one fifths as well. So we just often say both of them. Yeah. yeah. What'd yeah. You, you say? Yep. Yeah, totally cool. While
1: you're, while you're talking about fractions, what about comparing fractions?
0: Oh yeah. So often when we get to comparing fractions, this is if, if, if kids haven't been taught a lot of rules up to this point, almost always there comes these funny, like butterfly, these things are mm-hmm. not mathematical, these weird. So when you're comparing fractions, consider that you can compare them to landmarks. So when I just said four fifths, if I got four one fifths, five one fifths would make the whole, right? I'd have the whole candy bar. If I had four of those one fifths, I'm almost to the whole. Mm -hmm. So I can sort of use that four one fifths, that idea of being so close to that landmark one whole, I can use that to help me think about comparing it to something like six fifths. Mm -hmm. So if if I'm thinking about six one fifths, Six one-fifths, wait, five-fifths is the whole thing. Five one-fifths, I've got the whole thing. So I've got six of them. Well, I've got more than the candy bar. Well, right there, if I'm comparing four-fifths and six-fifths, I can just think about how those both compare to five-fifths. I don't have to do any fancy butterfly, cross-multiply, right. cross-cancel, like whatever all these rules are. I can just I can just uh, can compare to a landmark. Kim, what if I was comparing something like four one-fifths to two one-fifths? How do I have some sense of? Oh, maybe that one's almost too easy. Let me do. Let me do four fifths and ooh, Pam, thinking live here. Uh, and no, that's two like sevenths. Thank you. <laughs> you
1: so knew if where I, was I, going. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to ask. So if I know, I understand that four fifths means four one fifths. Then I can think about where's where's halfway. Like four fifths is more than half. More than half of the fifths, and two sevenths. I only have two of the sevenths. So that's less than half of the sevenths. So if I have one fraction that's more than a half and one that's less than a half, that's usually very helpful to, to, to compare them. So four fifths would be give, would be bigger. Yeah.
0: yeah. Nice. And I could have even done something like, um, 4 seventeenths. Mm-hmm. So now the fours are the same. I've got four one 17 and I've got four one fifths. And so now I can, uh, now that's probably I, I just left the one
1: half, didn't I? That's not what yeah. I meant to do. But Kim, there's lots of ways to... to compare with meaning, I think is the point, right? There's lots of ways to compare Absolutely, meaning yes. we'll rather than that. some rote, memorized things.
0: Yeah. So when you're thinking about fractions, see if you can um, use that that unit fraction, that one share, the one-fifth, mm-hmm. the one-seventh, the one-fifteenth, to help you reason about more of that one share, or the five. the five sevenths and the six fifteenths. And that that could be helpful in reasoning about how close that fraction is to a landmark fraction. Cool. All right, y'all. One of the most frequent questions that we get from parents is, do you have all this stuff written down that we can refer to? We just listened to your podcast, but how are we supposed to have all this in our back pocket? Well, the answer is yes. We have a tip sheet for parents. It's a free download. It lists the things that we've talked about and more, and it has links to learn more about many of them. You can get it all at mathisfigurablecom slash parent tips. To get our free download, click on the link or click. You, can't, well, you can click on the link in the show notes or go to mathisfigurablecom slash parent tips. And don't worry, it's totally free. Parents, picture a day when you have more confidence talking math with your child. Picture a day when you are sharing your ideas and wonders and your student is intrigued and sharing with you too. Picture a day when your child says, it's cool that math is figureoutable and we talk about it in our family. For help to make that happen, download our parents tip sheet at mathisforgottable.com slash parent tips. Y'all, thanks for tuning in and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making
1: math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central.